Well, good evening and a very warm welcome to St. Paul's this evening. It's good to be able to welcome all of you here, particularly as it's St. Valentine's Day evening. It's very impressive that you're all here. And we come together to debate the question, does the City of London Corporation need reform? My name is Mark Oakley and I'm the Chancellor of the Cathedral. And the chapter of St Paul's were very keen that this debate should take place here and in a constructive and open spirit. There is, of course, a long history of debate as to corporation reform. And both the calls of Occupy outside the cathedral recently and the formation of the city reform group have brought this debate back to the fore in our own day. The group stating that it does not want to promote a party or a protest, but pledges to be taken up by the city's elected representatives. What we're doing together tonight is engaging with issues that affect us all as to how a city of capital responds to its contemporary responsibilities as a capital city. And to help us do this this evening, we have as our speakers David Pitt-Watson and Mark Boliat. David is the son of a clergyman. He is a business and social entrepreneur and author. He has a background as a fund manager and now works at the London Business School. He's written and lectured on issues of corporate governance, capital market integrity and regulation, and has advised the UK government over a number of years on its initiatives to improve the performance and integrity of capital markets. He is director of Oxford Analytica and trustee of Oxfam. Mark has been the Chairman of the Policy and Resources Committee of the City of London since May last year, leading on strategy, resource allocation and engagement with legislators and regulators in the UK, Europe and across the world on policy issues affecting London as international financial centre. And from 2008 to 2011, he was Chairman of the Markets Committee of the Corporation. As a common councilman, he represents the ward of Cordwainer. He's also an author and has worked as a consultant on housing, finance and regulation for international agencies and governmental bodies. So the shape of the evening will be that I'll first ask David in a minute to speak for about 15 minutes on whether he feels the corporation needs reforming. And then Mark will speak for 15 minutes. I'll ask then David to make an immediate five-minute response when Mark has finished, and then Mark will similarly respond to David. Then I'll ask for questions from you in the audience, asking for questions which, if possible, you might frame as much as you can so both speakers can give an answer. It's said that a politician is someone who, when they see light at the end of a tunnel, orders more tunnel and rhetoric rhetoric and reality of course are two very different things it would be great if tonight we could try to encourage light more than tunnel so crisp short and to the point questions will also give others more time to ask theirs 
to that same end. We're very committed to finishing this evening by 7.45, and this is a public event and is being recorded. So again, you are very, very welcome. Let's get underway, and I'll first ask David to now make his argument clear on the question, does the City of London Corporation need reform? David Pitt-Watson. Well, thank you uh, very much. As uh, Mark said, I'm the son of a Scottish clergyman. My father used to have a definition of a clergyman as somebody who talked in other people's sleep, and I will aim not to follow in that tradition uh, tonight. Um, look, uh, for myself, I'm, I'm by background really, I'm a fund manager. Um, I've had a career in business, also in politics and policy, mainly with the Labour Party, but I've advised the Conservatives and the Liberals as well on issues of financial policy. And if I believe in anything, it is in this, that our financial system, if well managed, can do much good. And I'd like to thank the City Reform Group for having organised this event, this debate, this evening. I'd like to thank all of you for coming along. I'd like to thank St Paul's uh, 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 for having organised this and Mark for his kind introduction. But I'd like particularly to thank Mark Boliat. He's chair of the Policy and Resources Committee, but really he's leader of the Corporation of the City of London. And the fact that he comes here for a debate, I think, shows a healthy interest by the Corporation in thinking about some of these issues. I say that because this is going to be a debate, and Mark and I are going to disagree this evening. But nevertheless, I thank him for being here, and it's great credit to him and the council that he does. But let's be clear, I do believe that the City of London Corporation does need reform. Let me start off by talking just a little bit about what the City of London Corporation is, because really it's three things. It's a local authority. It's a charity through the City Bridge Trust. And it's a private corporate body. You won't find anything like that, I don't think, elsewhere in the country. And its existence is, on one view, quite anachronistic, and its practices no less so. I guess it was formed hundreds of years ago, out of the guilds who ran the city in the Middle Ages. It's a local authority, but it's not elected democratically. 6,804 of the electors are city residents, but more than twice that number of the electors are appointed by companies who are based in the city. The last election, nearly half the wards weren't even contested. There are a good, uh, many good people who run the city, I'm sure, but look, it's quite a narrow coterie. So much so that Mark, who's the leader of the council, works for Kingston Smith, turned the clock back five years, and who was leader of the council? The senior partner of Kingston Smith. And this organisation has enormous power, 3,500 employees, mainly in the city, but also looking after Hampstead Heath, also looking after Epping Forest. It's got its own police force of 850 officers and support staff. By the way, it's 20 times more police per head of population than the rest of London. And it controls a charity, the City Bridge Trust, with £800 million in endowments. And it has its own private funds of £1.5 
billion pounds. The Lord Mayor of London travels abroad with the status of a cabinet minister, but he doesn't answer to Parliament or to any loyal opposition. The Lord Mayor is also a lobbyist for the finance industry, with a budget of £12 million to do precisely that, so in one and the same person, uh, someone of cabinet status and a well-funded industry lobbyist, but without accountability. Now, some look at those facts and they say the corporation should be abolished. They say there's a better way to spend £2 billion in charitable and private inheritances, that the Met should be managing the policing of London, that a democratically elected authority should look after the affairs of the city, just as it does for every other citizen in the country. And let me be clear, that is absolutely not what I'm saying tonight. It's absolutely not what this debate is about. It's not what the City Reform Group is about. The call here is not for abolition. It's for reform. That the traditions of the City of London are not ones that we should be abandoning lightly or that we should easily dismiss. So let me talk just a little bit about what those valuable traditions are. And then I'd like to talk about why reform is needed. Why the city needs to commit to abandoning some of its practices, which I think aren't defensible, but how its traditions can be, indeed must be made relevant to today's world. So what are those valued traditions? As I said, the main franchise of the city is by appointment of the companies who operate there. That franchise has developed over time, but it derives from the old guild system. Each profession, the goldsmiths, the silversmiths, the saddlers, the brewers, the bakers, the apothecaries, you name it, of London, they belonged to a guild. And the reason the City of London still sees fit to spend millions of pounds promoting the finance industry is an inheritance of that, of that system. No other local authority would do so, but the City of London is promoting the trades, promoting the businesses of London. Now, actually, those guilds had important purposes, very important purposes. And that was to ensure that the quality of goods that was produced by their members was up to scratch, that their members didn't default on their debts, Indeed, I understand that at one time it was the goldsmiths of London who were given the job of issuing the coin because you could trust them more than you could trust the king to make sure that the coin was not debased. The guilds were the upholders of responsible business. The role would be similar to the bodies that we have today, which would oversee the work of doctors or architects. They act in the that they're acting in their patients' and their clients' best interest, that the drugs we consume will help cure us and the houses we live in <laughs> have got safe foundations. And the reason that the City Corporation has over time seen fit to spend millions of pounds promoting the finance industry is an inheritance of that system. But how well does the City of London do in making sure that the system of finance which it promotes upholds responsible business? That it will serve us well, that its foundations are sound, well, you know, the last few years are the acid test of that, aren't they? Because the financial system failed. 
Britain's most important industry, of which I am a part, on which the livelihood of the capital and the country, indeed the world's economic system, depend, failed. The industry on which the corporation spends millions promoting failed. Its business models were unstable and many of its practices were wrong. What did the city have to say about this? It recognised there was a problem. Here's what Paul Sizand, its Director of Economic Development, thought. The severity of the recent financial crisis, he said, threatens the relationship between the financial sector and wider society. Absolutely. And what was the city going to do about it? The City of London Corporation does not have a position on the causes or the solutions. £12 million of lobbying every year, travelling the world with the status of a cabinet minister and no position on the causes or solutions. Wow. Ten days ago, the Chancellor of the Exchequer made a speech about the need for reform. It was a speech generous to the city. He, like I, believe that the financial services industry is critical to the prosperity of our nation, that it should be held in high esteem, but he insisted rightly on the need for change, on the need for reform. Mark, it was you who responded to that speech on behalf of the city. What did you say? You said, your first sentence, you said, it's time to move on. No, it's not. It's time for reform. Just as George Osborne said, let's take the anger people feel about the financial system and build a system that works for us all. Just as Anthony Jenkins of Barclays has said this week, it's time for reform. Surely if the city is true to its traditions, it needs to lead that process. It's not time to move on. London's economic future depends upon the reform of financial services. So from amongst that £12 million which the city spends on promoting finance industry, let's spend time and effort in making sure that system works for us all. And it's not just in the way that it promotes industry that the city needs to change. It's also in the way that it manages itself. I talked about the three parts of the city, the local authority, uh, which, like uh, the local authority, uh, the charity and the private corporation. Now, every local authority, by law, has to produce accounts, and so does the city. Every charity has to produce accounts, and so does the City Bridge Trust. Every private corporation has to produce accounts, full accounts. The city does not. Indeed, the only reason I'm able to quote some of the numbers in this speech is because following demands, including those from the City Reform Group, some summary accounts were produced in December. Any good public authority should be accountable. It shouldn't need to ask to be produced basic accounts. Yet my guess is that the City Corporation is probably the largest corporate body in the country that does not produce such full accounts. So, Mark, we need reform. We need open, openness and transparency so that we can have informed debate. For example, here's one point of debate that emerges from these figures. Of the city's private money, five million is spent on secondary education. 100% of that money goes to private schools. 100%. 
And here is why we need full accounts, because in the summary we are told the money is spent on scholarships to support able students from disadvantaged backgrounds. What a good thing to do. But that's all we're told. What else is the £5 million spent on? Because if you go to the accounts of the schools, they're not giving out £5 million of grants to disadvantaged students. It's just a basic point of openness that those who elect the City Council should be allowed to know how it spends its money. We need reform, we need openness, we need transparency so that we can have that debate. And finally, let me come to the question of the franchise. Now look, of course it's anachronistic that companies get to appoint voters. But the law that allows them to do so has other very important stipulations. To ensure that that electorate is not chosen from a small group of people, the company that appoints them has to, and I quote, ensure the appointment which it makes reflects so far as is reasonably possible the composition of the workforce. That means secretaries, cleaners, caretakers, canteen workers, the people that work in reprographics. But if you care to look at the voter list, you will see that few such staff are ever included on the electoral register. In other words, the electoral register is not only anachronistic, it is not in keeping with the law. So, Mark, we need reform. And here is a way that you could commit to reform. You and the other candidates could promise that you'll promote commerce within the city on the basis of its ability to serve customers, that resources will be allocated to promote fiduciary standards and responsible business practices, that when you see things going wrong, you won't be frightened to speak out about that, that you'll recognise your responsibility to the common good, that you'll administer the corporation democratically, efficiently and accountably, being transparent in all your dealings. That, I think, is what the City Reform Group is asking those who stand for the council to do. I can't think of any other elected official who would not sign those pledges. So look, let me conclude. There are problems with the City of London, but it has got a fantastic tradition. And I understand those people who look back to that tradition and say, look, we want to preserve what it is that's good. But you know, through history, there are many people who have opposed reform, believing that in doing so, they were helping preserve valuable parts of an old system. They believed that the alternative to reform was a comfortable status quo, and they have so often been proved wrong. The alternative to reform is not comfortable. It's revolution. The pledges of the City Reform Group are not an attack, they're a support for those in the city who want to do the right thing, who want the city to build on its best traditions, but to be fit for the 21st century. We know that the city is more than gilded coaches and men in tights. It's a hugely influential institution, set at the heart of our financial system. It should first be a force for promoting good business practice because it's on the basis of that that London will thrive. It should second be open and transparent, proud of what it's doing. And it should be promoting the law and ensuring those who ought to have the vote have the vote. So it's not time to move on. It's time for reform. Thank you very much for listening to me.
thank you very much, Mark, and may I say what's a, a pleasure it is to be here. Um, almost the introduction was as if I'm being brave and it's something we don't do. I'm ready to see anybody at any time who wants to talk about these sort of issues. As you know, David, we met at 7.30 in the morning for breakfast. He turned down my offer of 6.30 for a shower. Um, but, you know, we are really very open and willing to discuss. In terms of the question, does the City of London Corporation need reform, I have only one answer. Of course it does. Every organisation needs constantly to evaluate how it is organised and make reforms to ensure that it is fit for purpose. But it mustn't do it to such an extent that it actually doesn't get on and do its day job. And the City Corporation has been subject to many reforms over the years. There was a major reform of our voting system through an Act of Parliament, I have to say under a Labour government, in 2002, which removed the absentee vote, and quite right too, because there were people who neither worked in the city or lived in the city who had a vote. And it was that Act, it's not long-standing, that introduced the concept of businesses appointing electors. And yes, it's a horribly difficult concept, but the city is different. We have 8,000 residents and 350,000 workers. And much of what we do is not just for the residents, and some of it is not for the residents at all. And Parliament, Parliament considered it was right that those who work in the city should have a vote. Also at that time, the number of elected members was reduced from 130 to 100, and then there are 25 aldermen. They previously were elected for life, and that was brought down to six years. So that was an act of Parliament, major reform, took a lot of time, a lot of energy. And we've done our own internal reforms in the city. We undertook a ward boundary review, and if you're an elected member, there is nothing more exciting than a ward boundary review. Believe me, it really gets people going. Um, we have had an internal governance review that's brought our committee structure up to date. And we've been looking at the, uh, the requirements for people to stand as an alderman, and the likelihood is that we will um, remove the current uh, requirement for candidates for an alderman to be a magistrate. Now, I'd assume from the title that perhaps we were talking about something more radical, uh, the abolition of the City of London Corporation, its functions being subsumed by our neighbouring boroughs or by the GLA. And there's any number of options that armchair politicians can play with on this. Um, now, in fact, David didn't talk about that. What I got from him is that he wanted reform, but I didn't hear what the reform was. Um, I heard about pledges, but none of them about what changes do we need to make in the, the structure of the City of London Corporation, but we'll come back to that, no doubt. Now, I would say that radical reform, the sort I've talked about, perfectly feasible, but they would serve no purpose and would be damaging in a number of respects. It would take forever to get the laws right. I was chairman of the Markets Committee, great fun, but when you get committee papers that begin with, according to the Act of 1342, you know what sort of problems you've got in trying to change anything. So what we would have if we did that radical reform is simply tying up everything for years and years. Now we recognise that we are different in the city. We are very much part of London. Now contrary to the myth we hear occasionally, the writ of London-wide government going back to the LCC, the GLC, and now the Mayor and the Assembly runs fully in the City of London. And by the way, to dispel another myth, the Queen does not need our permission to enter the city. We are fully engaged with other London councils. We work with our neighbouring boroughs in an organisation called Central London Forward. Each year, the City Bridge Trust make grants of £15 million to help charities, charitable projects across London. And in the last year, we've committed £5 million to projects to deal with employability. 
Our open spaces are run for the benefit of millions of people inside and outside London, and half of our open spaces are not even in London. The Barbican attracts audiences not just from London, but well beyond. The City of London Police is not a private police force, it is the national lead force for fraud. And the reason there are hundreds of officers is that they're working on fraud in relation to the whole of the United Kingdom. They're not all pounding the beat around the Barbican. The hospitality that we provide to visiting heads of state and government ministers is not on behalf of the City of London, it is on behalf of the nation. And we can do these things only because we have the money to do them through the city cash fund of 1.3 billion and the bridge house estates of about 800 million. These funds have been built up over many years by careful investment and management and a pretty rigid rule of spending only the income. Can anybody think of another local authority that would not have spent the money? And we get people telling us now, you've got two billion, why don't you spend it on this, this and this? And if they'd been around 20 years ago, I can guarantee we would not have £2 billion. The members of the Court of Common Council understand full well they are the custodians of these funds that they have inherited, and the income from them is used for the benefit of Londoners and the nation, that they act accordingly. My colleagues and I want to devote our energies to providing first-class services, local authority services to our residents and businesses, to making London and the country generally an attractive home for internationally mobile business and to deal with the many problems that currently we need to deal with in London. Would radical reform of the City of London Corporation help? I don't think so, and it would simply take all of our energy. Now, this is not to say that everything is perfect. There are a number of things that can readily be challenged. Of course there are, and indeed David has said some of them. And if I can take the example of the franchise, yes, the worker vote's a very difficult concept. Frankly, it's very difficult to interest anybody anywhere in the country in local government. You know, we are not alone in that. So trying to interest workers is not easy, because most of them come into London, they do their work, and they go home. And trying to get businesses to register at all is a struggle, and we devote substantial resources to it. And getting them to interest their workers is very difficult. And I concede we have to do more to try and make sure that the workers are fully representative. And, you know, we will continue to do more. We've got a long way to go to get to the position we would all like to be. So half of our wards are uncontested. Well, I reckon in most local councils, it's about two-thirds of the wards are uncontested. There were people called paper candidates. I know I've been one. The parties put them up so they've got somebody on the ballot. We don't have political parties in the city, so there are no paper candidates. So the real competition goes in the wards where people think they've got a chance of unseating the existing candidates or where there's more, more seats than there were last time. So we've got issues like that that we, we have to address. Let me finish on a bit of a personal note. At most, subject to about five elections, I've got four and a bit years left to be chairman of the Policy and Resources Committee. I have not the slightest wish to spend my time discussing structure of the City of London. These are matters of no interest to our stakeholders. I spend a lot of time talking with city, city stakeholders, businesses of all sizes, and they raise with me concerns, the sort of concerns that we are, we are dealing with today. I've had a pretty hectic day. We've had a lot of our major committees today. The last three meetings I've had will be typical. Spent an hour and a half discussing our education strategy. And yes, 
You know, we are going to look fully at how we use our funds on education because we're spending about £20 million plus on education through a variety of different means and we need to make sure we're having the right effect with all of that. And we've just today set up a strategy group that's going to deal with that. I spent an hour and a half with some colleagues, one or two of whom I see here tonight, talking about our new social investment fund where we're going to allocate £20 million to investments that produce a social return as well as an economic return. And we want to be among the leaders of that, dealing with very real issues and helping to develop a market. And I've spent the last um, hour or so talking with some colleagues about two issues that our stakeholders raise with us all the time. Government visa policy, which is stopping people coming into the country who we need for short-term meetings, not immigrants, we're talking about business meetings. And secondly, the big question of our relationship with Europe, because there are many businesses in the city, which means many jobs in the city and indeed outside the city, that depend on our relationship with the European Union. So that's what we spend our time on. This is what our stakeholders, our electors, our residents and our business voters, the workers in the city, are concerned about. Yes, we've got to have a governance structure that's fit for purpose. Yes, the City of London is an astonishingly odd beast. I didn't claim to understand it until I actually became really fully involved a year or so ago. But I think a key point, as I've said before, is that a lot of what we're doing is about, the, about London and about the country. The sort of services that we provide are not all about the City of London, and that's why we have a very unique franchise. So to conclude, um, Chairman, yes, of course, the City of London needs reform. And if people have got some real concrete proposals, then we're very happy to look at them. We've done some of our own reforms over the last few years. I've no doubt there are more, more to go. But having done those reforms and having done them internally, my fellow members and I are just really keen to get on and deal with the issues that our stakeholders are bringing to us every day. Jobs, education, the environment, culture and the arts, the sort of things that we have in the City of London that are really important. So a fair measure of agreement, I'm happy to say, David. Um, we uh, certainly see a need for reform. We're doing the reforms that we think are right. I don't see any need for radical reform, and indeed, from what you've said, I don't think you do either. But there are things that we can do better. Let's hear about them and have a debate. Thank you. Mark, thank, thanks ever so much. I, I, I did think I was going to have a debate about uh, does the City of London Corporation need reform? And we have full consensus on that. And the answer, I'm pleased, is yes, it does. What Mark didn't hear, though, was the specific things that I was asking for. So let me be very clear about what those are, and then perhaps in his summing up, Mark can answer these. The first is this, Mark. Will you publish in full the city cash account, where the 1.35 billion is invested, how the income from it is spent, in full, yes or no? A simple request. A second simple request. You know, the city has had a really rather uh, wonderful project um, that it started last year. It's called Investing in Integrity. 
This investing in integrity, I think, is something that would be critical and terribly important for the financial services industry, and that if you're spending £12 million on promoting the financial services industry, you would be funding big time investing in integrity. But the forum that is responsible for taking this forward sends out its brochure saying that for its work to go forward, it will be necessary for it to secure funding. Can I ask you, Mark, yes or no, will you, from the £12 million fund, in full investing in integrity? Specific question, easy to answer. Here's a third request. I've talked about the franchise. I've talked about the fact that the franchise does not say, does not do what the law asks it to do. I understand when the City Reform Group asked who the people were at the companies that were making these appointments so that we could ask them whether or not they knew what the law was, that they were told that they could not have their names. So Mark, yes or no? Can the citizenry of London please have the names of the people who are appointing and can the City Corporation put some effort into making sure that the franchise accords with the law? Yes or no? And look, there are three very, very simple, I hope, requests. It'd be great if you could agree to them this evening. I have a fourth one that I fear you're not going to agree to, which is about these promises that the City Reform Group have made. You know, the really motherhood and apple pie. I can't imagine any elected representative that would not sign up to this. And I know there are some councillors in the audience this evening. Please think about whether you wouldn't sign up to them. Because, look, this, this uh, investing for integrity, this great initiative, you know what one of the parts of it is? One of the parts of it is the development of a personal pledge to be taken by those working in the city to uphold the highest standards of integrity and professional behaviour with a focus on obligations to clients and other stakeholders. That's what the city's asking of people who work in the city. Please, if you stand for the council, can you also sign up to similar pledges? Yes or no? Four very specific questions. We've agreed that the city needs to reform. Here's four very simple steps that it could take. And you know, if it did, this isn't a retreat. It's a step forward. The city corporation is unique. There is no city corporation in New York like you. There is no city corporation in Tokyo or Shanghai. This corporation was here initially to uphold the integrity of business. You can do so again. And Mark, you asked twice what were the specific questions. Those are the specific questions. And it would be a terrific outcome of this evening if you could ask, answer yes, even to one of them. Thank you. Uh, thank you, David. I, I'll do my best. Uh, let me just respond to one or two things in your, in your speech. First of all, I do not work for Kingston Smith. Um, let me dispel that myth straight away. Uh, the implication clearly had been this is a cosy relationship. One does not have a cosy relationship with Michael Snyder, <laughs> who is the senior partner. The reality is that in 1999, before I'd heard of anything to do here, I ran the biggest trade association consultancy business in the country, and my competitor was a firm called Kingston Smith. And now I no longer have any time to work for a living. I simply shoved my business into Kingston Smith. I do not work for them. 
second myth, the Lord Mayor is not a cabinet minister. By travelling as a cabinet minister, it means he has a car to meet him at the airport and he stays with the ambassador, for heaven's sake. I have to say, even I get that, but I don't claim to be a cabinet minister. It's a status point. He's not a cabinet minister. He has no power to do anything on behalf of the government, you know, and, and if he did, he would be in deep trouble. And I see a sheriff shaking, uh, nodding, nodding wisely at that. So a couple of points. Let me deal with the specifics. First of all, uh, city cash. Okay. Um, you know, this is one issue that we feel the only reason for not publishing it, it will take away something for people to fight for. Um, I have not the slightest problem with publishing every single thing that we do, because once you do that, people aren't interested. Now, what we did this year was put it together in a little booklet, a summary. If you want to know how the money is spent, it's here. Okay, it's here. The city's strategic budget, 40 pages on the city cash expenditure. If you want to know what happens with the economic development expenditure, we don't spend 12 million on promoting the financial sector. That's the total budget of our economic development office, our public relations office, probably the mansion house, and a lot of other things. A lot of that work's got nothing to do with promoting the city in the sense that you have promoting the financial services industry. Most of it is about getting business into Britain. Uh, my nine o'clock meeting tomorrow for three hours is with the Polish finance minister. Am I promoting the British finance industry? You bet, because we want jobs in Britain in the finance industry and we want the support of Poland in what we're doing in the European Union. So no apologies at all. In terms of where's the, where is the money in the city cash invested and will we publish the full accounts, the, it's, where it's invested is £0.463 billion is invested in equities and securities and £0.883 billion is invested in property. We will look at publishing full accounts. The, the difficulty on that is simply the valuation of the property. Um, you know, we have no problem in principle with publishing everything, but, you know, I actually chair a property company and we publish, you know, to publish the full value of our property, we have to have each property valued. That costs a lot of money. So the issue for us is are we prepared to spend a lot of money valuing properties that we have no intention ever of selling that are held as an investment in order to say instead of 0.883 billion, it could be point. 881 billion or it could be 0.896 billion. Is this what people really want to know? And I don't know what the cost of it will be, but that's something we will look at. But I have to say in principle, I have no problem whatever with publishing the full accounts, but the notion that there is some secret document, that we have all of this information and we're not letting anybody have it. The best way to get anything published in the city is to mark it secret. And if you mark it top secret, you get it out straight away. If you want to make it secret so nobody knows about it, you issue a full press release and you publish 140 pages of line items on what we spend. But you so, will publish them, Mark. No, no, so you're saying, what you're saying to me is, will we spend, I don't know, 100,000 or whatever on the cost of valuing properties to the last penny and on the auditing that that would be involved in order to give a more precise figure than 0.883 billion? You know, that, it is not just money that can just be chucked in. I mean, we will certainly look at it, and I see the Chairman of Finance glaring at me as I speak. Um, it, so it's not an issue of principle. You know, believe me, I just want everything published. You know, I mean, I just, every, I cannot see any reason for not publishing it in principle. But I do have a problem with spending a lot of money to satisfy what about five people have asked us to do. 
You know, do my stakeholders, do the people who pay the rates come and demand publication of the city cash accounts? No, they don't. You know, we've had about five people ask about it. So we've got to judge that. It's purely a matter of, of the cost on all of that. Um, the point you've made about the, the business vote, I accept the point. In, you know, I accept it is very difficult. I accept that we are not perfect. You know, but the amount of work that goes on from individual members as well as officers in the city to try and get businesses to sign up. You asked, I think, a specific, can we give you the names of the people we contact? I would imagine there's an issue about privacy there. Um, you know, we, we ask for a contact from the companies. We, I mean, actually, it's quite difficult to get them in some cases, and when you go to them the next week, they've changed. It really is a permanent job for us to try and keep this database up to date. No other local authority anywhere in the country tries to do it. We think it's worth doing, you know, simply because of the unique nature of the city, as I've said, with 8,000 residents and 350,000 workers and a load of functions that go way beyond the, the City of London. So, um, you know, absolutely and indeed, you know, well before uh, this, this debate, you know, we're very conscious that we need to, to do better in getting the, the workers registered. But it, the difficulty also, this year it's been a bit easier because people know there's elections. Next year, business is saying, hang on, when's the election? 2017, come back in 2016. So, David, we will do our best. As for the expression about moving on that came from me, I must sack my press officer if, if the impression Hello, Greg. Um, if the impression was given that this isn't important, I mean, I heard myself. Sorry, that sounds a bit daft. I was on the world at one, and I thought I was fully supporting the Chancellor. And by move on, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Accept what's gone wrong, deal with it, and move on. It didn't mean ignore it. And certainly anybody of my colleagues looking at me now, there's no way that I would suggest that that, that is actually the case. And let me finally finish up with the pledges. I'm very clear. I make pledges to my electorate and to nobody else. Um, and to suggest that I should sign up to the pledges of an organisation that is secretive, looking at its website, as I did tonight, under the heading of who are we, there is not a single name. So, you know, why should I sign up to an organisation that is not transparent? And as for its finances, it's got a donate here. I don't know where I see the finances of the organisation. You know, I, I mean, it is just completely wrong. And frankly, I'm not signing up to anybody's pledges at all. Just don't even ask me. You want to know my views? You ask me. You know, and they'll be in my manifesto. Um, you know, I don't have a problem with most of them. You know, but again, you know, I talk to my electors and I talk to city businesses all the time. And there are colleagues here. I wonder how many of us have been asked by our electors, are you signing up to the City Reform Group pledge? You know, ask me about the substance of the issues, not about whether I'm signing up to somebody else's pledges, worthy they are or not. And can I tell you that at least one of them seems not to understand that as elected local authority members, we are governed by a code of conduct which goes way beyond those sort of words. So why should we sign up to someone that doesn't even understand what the existing requirements on councillors are? So now I'm not agreeing with that one for one second, David, because it's a process point, it's not a substance point. Thank you. So now it's uh, your turn, uh, ladies and gentlemen, to ask questions. I'm going to ask you please to raise your hands and I will uh, pick people out uh, and hopefully 
uh, get through quite a lot. We have uh, half an hour. And as I say, it would be very helpful if you could frame your question so that both uh, Mark and David can answer it. Command that. Okay. Um, okay, first of all, the, the franchise. I mean, can I say, this was not put in by the City of London. Okay, it was put in by an Act of Parliament by a Labour government. So it's not ours, and it doesn't go back centuries, it goes back to 2002. And it comes back to the point that we have 8,000 residents and 350,000 workers, and much of what we do is in the interests of the whole of London and the nation. Yes, I know Westminster extremely well. Um, Westminster does not have that sort of ratio. Um, you know, it, it has, I'm thinking from memory, whether it's 200,000 population or is it not that many? I'm hoping somebody's going to nod wisely. Um, so th that's, that's the point. It's simply that, that our ratio is very different. In terms of, you know, I, I mean, I, I'm going to say, I'm sure there were vicars who stand before their flock on a Sunday and say, why aren't more of you here? You know? I'm the chap who's standing. Uh, I'm doing it. Um, I can't force people to stand against me. You can choose I, the policies that you stand on, though. I do. And I'll, look, and I'll have a... Look, come on. I'll have a manifest... Sorry. It's a democracy that there are elections. We have had briefings for candidates in the last two weeks, and I understand we've had, what, 150, 160 people attending them. We have a website with details of our elections. I've had people coming to me, as other colleagues have, I'm interested in standing, what do I do? You know, it's not too late. For those of you who want to stand, it is not too late. But I can't force somebody to stand against me. But what I do, and I'm sure you do, and other people here do, is do your damnedest while you're a councillor with your electorate to make sure that when the election comes up, people are going to vote for you. And I'm guilty, as are you. And I'm sorry, I just can't make people stand against me. Can you know, I, just... I don't know how I do that. Can I ask David if you... Yeah, yeah look, look Todd, it's a, it's, a, it's a really good and it's a really fundamental question you're asking. Because it, this is an anachronism. Okay? But the argument that I'm making is not one that we need to tear up the history books and, and do what would be democratic. Mm. Right? I, I, I accept that that's my argument. But if you're going to have this franchise, understand why that franchise was there. And it was because you were going to uphold integrity in the way that business was done in the financial, and particularly in the city, in the financial services industry. And look, maybe the debate you're raising is a really good debate. But the debate we should not be having is whether or not the city has got a responsibility for upholding the integrity of the financial services industry if it says that 15,000 of its 22,000 electors are people who are appointed by businesses that are in the city, if it does that, it, your argument absolutely holds. But if it can show that it can use that franchise as a way of leading us in this point of crisis, this point of lack of trust, if it could even provide the, uh, uh, the funds from its uh, own resources for, for, for its own project and in investing in integrity, that would be a step forward at least, wouldn't it? Can I ask um, yeah. Mark first? Um, 
Are we required to state if we're a member of a party on our register of interest? I'm looking at colleagues. I didn't think we were. Edward, you know all about these things. Sorry, but on our declaration of interest, we're not asked to state if we have a well, member. Not anymore. I'm federal, I'm the chair of the chair of the standards committee. Yeah. Uh, um, it used to be a requirement in the previous code of conduct mm -hmm. to declare membership of any political organisation. Um, that was taken away by the Locals Act. Okay, um, so, thanks, Ed. that's a factual point. Um, in terms of party politics, um, you know, there's no law that prevents the parties operating in the normal way in, in the City of London. Um, they don't, because I think they all recognise it works fairly well. Um, I can only speak for myself, but I guess a number of colleagues are in the same boat as me. I wouldn't be there if it was party political. I have no interest in, in party political games. And the beauty of the city is that you are able to be on committees and take part in the governance of the city, regardless of whether your party is in power or not. But you know, if people want to stand with a party political label, um, they're quite entitled to do so. Um, there's nothing we can do about it, I'm afraid. It's up to the parties and the electorate. David, you have any yeah, I Look, it, it would seem to me you can stand party politically or not, but the electorate should know what your political persuasion is. Well, that's what you put in your manifesto, David. Okay, there's a man in the middle there, yes. I think I need to ask, are you talking about us as members of the Court of Common Council? Uh, I'm talking about the general standards of integrity within the financial sector. Okay, so I'm going to stand up because I think people at the back can glare at me. Right, glare at them um, a bit more easily. Um, yeah, they're very different, you know. Um, and yes, we do a lot in respect of the financial sector, but, you know, there are limits. And David and I had a very helpful discussion about this uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, we're not a governing body. We're not a regulator. A lot of most of the financial sector is not in the city of London. You know, it is. So the answer is probably nothing. No, no, no. It is not nothing. It is absolutely not nothing. Now, over the last couple of years, the financial sector has been absolutely in the firing line, or bits of it. Actually, it's really the banking sector. Next week, it could be the fund management sector, David, as we've discussed. Uh, some time ago, it was the insurance sector. Today, it's the supermarkets and the horse slaughterers. Um, and tomorrow, it could be anybody else. Now, that has, that has damaged um, the UK, it's damaged the city's reputation, it's damaged the banks concerned, it's caused a lot of jobs to be lost. So what do we do? We, you know, we can't dictate to anybody. What we, among the things we do is facilitate debate, facilitate discussion. You know, we engage with all of our stakeholders on that, and we do our bit. Um, now, if I stood up tomorrow and made a long speech about the financial sector is all terrible, it should do this, this and this. Yeah, I can do it. I'm not certain what it would achieve. But we do engage, we encourage debate, we, we recognise the need for reform and we, we add our bit to it. And because we're seen as neutral, we're able to host events and, and host, you know, whether it's speeches or small discussions over breakfast or dinner, that all help point in the right direction. So we accept we have a responsibility there and that's one that goes way beyond being a local councillor. Um, you know, I don't think you would, ex you would expect a, um, a councillor in a farming constituent to say he's responsible for adulterated meat. But we do our best, and I think there's more we can do.
David? Well, I, I, I mean, look, yeah. I, why don't you just publish your accounts? You don't need them to be audited. I was a partner at Deloitte actually for 12 years. It doesn't cost you anything to publish unaudited accounts. That would be part of integrity. Pay for investing in integrity instead of paying for the next Lord Mayor's banquet. But by the way, if you're worried about who the city reform group are, our chair is over there, the man in the dog collar with the, the specs. Um, we're just a group of people that thought that this issue of um, integrity was important. But I think it's the things we're asking for. And, 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 and make the promises as well. Because I'm not pretending I know everything that the city should do. There are some people here who are councillors and they have put a lot of their life into the city. I deeply respect them for that. But, but I am saying look towards a further horizon. There's more to be done here. Let's promote integrity in the financial services industry and let's start with the city. Can I ask the man right at the back in the corner then? Well, I mean, look, I think the Nolan principles are absolutely fine. If you were to sign up to the City Reform Group principles, I, I think it's very difficult not to publish your accounts because you're promising transparency. Yeah? Uh, the, the Nolan principles wouldn't cover uh, what it is that you do when you promote financial services, whereas we would do that. But look, they're entirely consistent with the Nolan principles. Do you have anything to add to that? So we keep coming back to publication of, of the accounts. I have to say, personally, for heaven's sake, I wish we'd publish them forever because there'd be no discussion. You know, the notion there is something secret. I've told you what's in them, you know. Um, we'll, have a, we'll have a look, but, but really, you know, I'm passionate. You know, I'm really passionate about dealing with education, with housing, and employability. I'm not passionate about publishing the city cash accounts. No, we don't pursue private interests. Absolutely not. You know, we are pursuing public interests. The distinction is between the local authority services that we provide that are funded in the same way as other local authorities through the rates, and that we call the city fund and all of the other things that we do that is funded through city cash, which is this fund that has been built up over the years. In terms of how we manage the day-to-day -day business through committees, there is no distinction between them. And I'm prepared to bet that most members do not actually know exactly which things come into which category. For example, we have three food markets. Okay, two of them are cities, oh God. <laughs> two of them are cities cash and one city fund, or the other way around. And I have to say, I was chairman of the Markets Committee for three years, it made not the slightest difference. All of the committee papers are public on the city website, they are not private. The only things that are private are the same as any other local authority, are matters to do, that are commercially sensitive um, or personal. We're, we're subject to the same law as local authority. So there are no private interests. What we, what we do are things that other local authorities do not do. And let me give an example, Epping Forest. Now Epping Forest is not secret. Okay? Very difficult to keep a forest secret, particularly in Epping. Um, it's big. You know, so this is what the sort of thing that is funded through city cash. There is, if you go on our website and you get the Open Spaces Annual Report, you can have anything you want to know about Epping Forest and probably things nobody wants to know about Epping Forest. I mean, so that is, that is not private interest. We're not, we're not pursuing private business. We are pursuing a public business using money that has been accumulated other than in the normal way. So, that, so there was, I just don't... Do you agree with the predecessor, Stuart Fraser, who said that the city's cash is private money and 
that saying that it should the accounts should be published by saying the Duke of Westminster or somebody like that, but that is the Freedom of Information Act. That city cash is not public money. I, mean, I have to say, we have great lengthy debates in the city about what city's cash is. Is it public money, private money, or something else? It's money, okay? It is not normal local authority money, but the way we spend it is like everything else. It is done by committees that meet in public, with papers that are public. Um, you know, so I don't, I don't see what the problem is. I mean, we, we really, are, you know, we have to... In terms of publication, again, I repeat, I have no problem with publishing everything and a bit more. I mean, because it, it would stop the debate and let us get on and talk about real issues. It is simply, you can't just publish unaudited accounts. You know, that would not, you know, our accounts are, they're audited of what we have, but what we don't have is a valuation of the properties. <laughs> yeah, but, sorry. We're going to have to, yeah. I'm so, going to ask so, David so, to comment. Maybe, maybe I can... Why is, this, why is this publication so important? Well, I, I quoted the number of £12 million that's spent on promoting the financial services industry. The reason I did this is because it's in your summary publication that you came out in December that £12.8 million is spent on city representation. And when I go to the description of city representation, it says this expenditure supports the city corporation's core objective to promote UK-based financial services. So if that's not the case, Mark, and you don't want people quoting £12 million because there's a different number there, publish the accounts. Explain what yeah. it is that you're spending your money David, on. It's all in here. I mean, sorry, the 12, it, includes a whole, it includes a whole lot of things. It includes um, the work of our Economic Development Office. Now, a lot of that work is to do with businesses around the city. Um, we've got a big programme of work dealing with apprentices, de dealing with employability projects, with business angels. That's not promoting the financial sector. When we do a state banquet for the president of Indonesia, as we did last year, which is included in that figure, that is not about promoting the financial sector. It's doing something on behalf of the state. Um, so we're doing a whole lot of things. You know, we're promoting, for example, what goes on in the Barbican. We're promoting what goes on in Epping Forest. Now, when we're promoting Epping Forest again, that is nothing to do with the promoting the financial sector. So, yeah, we can provide a full breakdown. And, you know, but, we but will just, do this. just do that, Mark, because you've got another category called economic development here, which is a further 3.7 million. Yeah. And if that's what you're doing, then just explain, because Epping Forest is somewhere else. So just do but, clear accounts that people can David, understand where you're spending money that is for yeah. the people of London. We agreed. The business plan today, it was a public document at a public meeting. The data is there. Okay. You know, I mean, if you want it, it's there. Just ask us and, you know, it's there. It's in this document. Public document. Okay, can I ask the late, right at the back, the woman at the back? Can I ask David first? Yeah, Luke, really, really good question. Because getting democracy to work isn't just about that there's, you know, someday that you didn't know about there was an election. It's about having a debate, isn't it? It's about having a discussion about all of this. And I, I, I started, and, and I really did mean it by praising Mark that he came along here to debate this. Because look, we've got a big group of people. Let's have more of that. And look, I'm not pretending that I'll be right in everything that I'll say. Mark does this for his full-time job. I'm an interested outsider. But let's have those sorts of discussions. And let's see how it is that we can use the fantastic resource and history of uh, uh, the Corporation of the City of London. I think first, 
towards its residents, yeah. Second, towards a, 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 the people of London, and third, towards the, uh, the, uh, the, the businesses that are, are, are within it. But, but events like today are, are good, aren't they? Because you, you get a debate. I uh, couldn't agree more, and indeed the, the motivation for publishing this, which does not contain one bit of information that wasn't public. But yes, we really wanted to put it in one document, and we'll, we'll refine it for future years. Um, now, a year ago, we had these, the very famous City of London website, and if I can be slightly unkind, it was a joke. If you wanted to pub hide something, you put it on the website. We spent a lot of money, and we now have a much better website that can search for things, um, but we need to be doing more generally. And interestingly, I, again, my colleagues here would agree with me, we've had a, a whole load of suppers for members to talk about issues. And you know what I'm criticised most for? You know, Mark, the public do not know what we do. You know, they don't know we run Epping Forest, the Barbican, our own police force, they don't know. Um, so we're with you 100% and we, you know, we're constantly looking for ways to engage more people. And may I say, I'm happy to go and speak to any group in the city about what we do. I'm not alone. I'm sure all my colleagues in their own wards are willing, are willing to do so. Shall I tell you what as well, Mark, actually, that I think is, is, is another thing. I think contested elections are a great thing. I think having to have a leaflet through your door that somebody feels that they might, it's a good thing. That's what, and, and you shouldn't feel bad if you lose the election. Even if you're a paper candidate, you shouldn't Agreed. feel bad. Yeah. We should do that sort of thing. And 12 out of 25 wards last time around in the City of London weren't even contested. So how about let's get a lot of candidates and contest it? Look at me, I am one. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Can I ask the man here in the white? Mark? Yeah, as I've said, we're going to look after this election and what we can do to improve this work-a-vote thing. I don't think it can extend to telling city businesses how they're going to structure themselves. You know, but we're conscious, you know, it, it, we've got to try and do better on it, but it is just horribly difficult. Just one thing that we do about helping businesses, one of the great things we do, and again the members complain, no one knows about it, is an organisation called Heart of the City, which was a charity set up many years ago. Uh, the lead was take, taken by Eddie George, governor of the Bank of England and the Lord Mayor at the time. And what that does is help city businesses develop community programmes and it does it through mentoring arrangements. It's incredibly successful. The governing body of it has got a lot of the leading people in the city involved, and you know, we get more and more businesses being, a, being involved in it every year because a lot of businesses want to do something but don't quite know how, and uh, we give them a lot of help. So that's something that's been a big priority for, for Lord Mayors over many years, and I see a former Lord Mayor there who I know will confirm it's just a fantastic um, organisation. Um, and it's something we want to give greater profile to. Can I just ask David for a comment? Yeah, look, I, first of all, I don't think it's okay to say that the fact that the franchise doesn't meet the requirements of the law because it's awfully difficult really is good enough. I mean, this is something that some serious effort, I think, needs to be put into. And not least, you could just tell people that might want to talk to the businesses who it is that has made the nominations. But as regards your question from the Religious Society of Friends, look, if you were to scratch me and say, what do I think good businesses look like? The number of Quaker institutions that I would find would be completely disproportionate. Sadly, less of them now than there used to be. Cadbury's, Roundtree's, Friends Provident, even Barclays at one time. Amazing, isn't it, that Barclays under Bob Diamond could have been a Quaker institution. Because because it's doing good business 
is something that is important. Being successful and making a profit is something that is important and you should feel proud of, not because you made a profit, but because you served society by doing so. You made good chocolate. You banked properly. You didn't fiddle life on. That is what the strength of the financial services of the City of London should look like. And I guess if I had an agenda for the City of London for however much of that £12 million is spent on promoting financial services, that's the sort of financial services that it should be promoting. Could I ask the woman in the blue scarf, please? Yeah, good question. Um, I mean, first of all, the, the local authority bit that is funded through the rates, uh, like every other local authority, is published in full, like every other local authority. You know, there is no difference at all. We are subject to the same laws. So, so that bit of it that is, say, funded by the ratepayer is absolutely, you know, published. Um, the bit where we have a different form of accounts is the fund that has been built up over many, many years of city cash, you know, which is not a straightforward local authority fund. And I said the expenditure bit, you know, what we publish is already, and again, it's in the strategic budget or it's in the accounts of the various organisations, um, you know, the, the individual accounts, say, of the, of the guild or school or the, the accounts of um, the open spaces, all the detail is there. You know, what we cannot currently do in a way that would be acceptable if we were a property company is simply publish a figure which is our estimate of the value of the property without having the properties professionally valued. Now, if you're a property company that is trading in property and paying dividends to the public, you need to do that. We do not intend to trade property. You know, we have operational property we're using and we hold a lot of investment property where the income from that pays for the services. So, you know, I mean, if, it, if we could easily publish the accounts you know, without incurring a great deal of cost, we would do so. It's nothing to do with freedom of information. You know, forget that. If you want the information, if we can reasonably provide it, we will. But we will have to look at that later this year um, as to whether we, you know, we, we go for a full valuation of properties. And I'm not an expert on this, and I may be getting this not wholly right. But, you know, th that is the issue. But I really can't think it's a burning issue of whether the figure is 0.8 or 0.9 billion. What matters is the income. The income from those properties, that's what we spend. It, it's really not a burning issue, Mark. That, that's absolutely right. And um, I don't think anyone's going to give you any criticism at all if you get the number wrong because it was, should have been 0.9 and it was 0.8. And indeed, I think you'll find lots of private companies publish their accounts in full but don't revalue every two or three years because they don't need to because they don't have shareholders. But you, you could, you presumably do have accounts. You presumably do have something that's got a list of all those properties that you own. Why not just publish that? It doesn't need to be audited. You could do that in a straightforward way. And, and the reason that you should publish accounts, the questioner had it absolutely spot on. You see, because the reason that you publish accounts is to give an account. To give an account of what you're doing. To show what it is that you've done so that people outside often don't need to look at the accounts because they know that you've given an account. That was why accounts were originally set up for uh, private companies. It's why they're set up for... Uh, uh, it's why they're uh, set up for local authorities. You know, I'm a trustee of Oxfam. We give an account of what we do for extremely poor people. None of those extremely poor people read those accounts. 
But I, as Treasurer of Oxford Fan, think it's absolutely fundamental that nevertheless that report is made and that we've thought about how we give an account. That's what you could do tomorrow. Um, I'm afraid time's coming to an end and I'm having a David Dimbleby moment here. <laughs> I'd like to ask you, do you think, um, put your hands up please, do you think that the corporation ought to spend money on getting its property valued in order to publish uh, its full accounts? Hands up if you believe that it ought it to. Need to. Okay, let's rephrase the question. Who believes the full accounts ought to be published? Put your hands up. Okay, thank you very much. I voted for that. You voted for that. Good. That was not, it's on camera. <laughs> I'm afraid it's, it's uh, 7.45, I'm afraid, uh, ladies and gentlemen. But just to end, I would quite like to ask both Mark and David if there is something that you have learnt from this debate tonight that you want to go away and pursue. Can I ask... David first. Yeah, I, I think through this debate, two, two things. I think from the questions from you and the audience, there is an interest in all this sort of stuff, when these issues are raised and when there's a debate. And I think that's desperately healthy. And then there's another thing that I think I think, which is I don't think Mark is a million miles away from seeing that there is some reform that needs to take place. And that there are some others, perhaps, in the audience today who think that a reform might need to take place. And perhaps you could think about how you express that by pledging transparency, fiduciary duty, and all the rest of it before you stand for election in March. And could I ask, Mark, something that you've learned and that you wish to pursue after this debate? Um, and I mean, the issues that have been raised, I'm familiar with because. Like any politician, you need to make sure what people are, are saying about you. So I'm, I'm familiar with the issues. In terms of the things that we need to work on, um, in a way, I'm less fussed about, you know, about the accounts. I mean, I think that is a, you know, really a minority sport. I just keep saying, and you know, I've been weaving this thing until my arm's getting tired of what we spend the money on. And if you want to know what our open spaces spend its money on, the thing is on the website. Income and expenditure, it's all there. So, you know, but we will take that back and we will look at it. But it's not simply a question of, you know, you, we have to value them. There are valuations and valuations. You want to know how much your house is worth? Oh, it's worth 100,000, if you live in, not in London. You want to know really how much it's worth? It's going to cost you a couple hundred quid, you know. Now, if you're doing that on 700 billion, I'm afraid it's a lot of money. So we'll look at that. The thing I know we need to do more work on is, is getting the worker, the, the worker vote right. And it's never going to be 100%. You have to speak once this evening, not once if you allow the worker to speak. Sorry. Everybody's discussing lots of nice things. The fundamental question about people who work in the city, you've not even asked, allowed anybody to ask a question. I'm sorry, sir. I suspect I just, a lot of workers picked, have spoken. I, I just um, picked hands that went I up, I'm afraid. 30,000, so we, okay. we'd like to Thank have you. a Come and have a chat way. afterwards. If you'd like to take that yeah. up. And Absolutely. Meet no, after, but this, this is supposed to be a debate about reform in the city, and you haven't once addressed that fundamental question. Okay, well, I've just accepted questions that have come from the floor, sir. I want to thank, uh, as it's 7.45, I want to thank both uh, David and Mark for their time and for the sharing of their thoughts and convictions uh, this evening. Tonight has been a, a contribution to a debate which I know will be continued in the weeks and years ahead. Uh, but it's 
I believe, been an important contribution, and I'm grateful to both Mark and David and to you uh, for making this so. And I, I hope that the important uh, issues that have been raised this evening won't be lost, uh, but engaged with at every possible level. There's a lot of talk about being loyal to the past, uh, but the question, it seems to me, is how we're going to be loyal to the future. And that's a very shared question, and it's one that I'm leaving with uh, this evening. So thank you all very much indeed for being here, and I wish you a very safe journey home. Thank you.